So, good morning. Um, my name is Jonathan Nash. I'm one of the pastors here. Hopefully I've uh, seen all of you at some point, and if not, then welcome. Um, good to meet you. I, uh, my wife and I live in the Napier area of Nashville, and if you've heard uh, that word, Napier, the, the name, um, you can uh, think about um, the ministry that, that we have to that community, and I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that, hopefully, but um, that is what my wife and I do here with Midtown as a pastor to the Napier community and church planter in that neighborhood. So um, we're going to get going. Uh, am I good? And, okay, awesome. I didn't even check. So this, this morning is, is unique. Well, yes, of course, it's always unique. Every day is unique these days. But I, I mean, particularly for Midtown, this morning is unique because we're beginning a new series. We're, we're beginning the series that's going to take us all the way to Advent. And it really is, in many ways, it's just a continuation. It's sort of part two of the series that we finished on the priesthood and the priesthood of all believers, which is the series where, you know, we, we made the claim that Scripture calls you a priest. Well, today and for the next uh, however many weeks it takes us to get to Advent, we're going to be continuing to look at um, what it is that the Bible says about us as priests, and we're specifically going to look at the thing the priests were given as kind of a uh, their, the thing that was in their care, which is the commandments and the laws of God. And so this series is a series in the Ten Commandments, but, you know, I guess in typical Midtown fashion, um, we're not going to be content with keeping it simple. So we're, we're going to be, in a, in a sense, mashing up the Ten Commandments with the teaching of Jesus on the Ten Commandments. And we're going to be looking at, okay, so if the Ten Commandments are true, well then how does that command, a particular command, for example, will be in the first one today, how does Jesus teach about that? What, is, what does Jesus bring in that just, you know, blows that up for us? Because Jesus, remember, he says, I, I came not to abolish the law and the commandments. I came to fulfill them. So what does a fulfilled Ten Commandments look like? Uh, and that's, that's what we're going to be looking at in this series. So um, something this year happened earlier this year. This is, you know, before uh, 2020 turned into a dumpster fire rolling down a hill. Um, and it was in, in January of 2020... Um, before all this, you know, that we're loving and experiencing every day happened, that the, the second largest diamond ever in, you know, ever discovered in history was sold. Um, I believe it was sold, now I'm blanking, it wasn't Tiffany, it was sold to like a, 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 um, like a high fashion company, but the second largest diamond ever discovered, it's called the Soelo diamond, um, was sold. And I've actually got it right here. Where, where are the ahs and the oohs? I'm not getting anything? Okay, well, okay, this, so this isn't the Suelo Diamond. I, I think it's probably about the same size and weight as a Suelo Diamond. But let me tell you something. It could be. Because when a diamond is found and before a diamond is cut, and the Suelo Diamond, maybe it's been cut by now, but I know when it was sold, it was an uncut diamond. And uncut diamonds actually look a lot like this. If you've seen a diamond when it comes out of the ground, when it's discovered, it looks... I mean, for, to me, to an untrained eye, it's indistinguishable from just what this is, a rock that I found out in my yard this morning. So you wouldn't know. This could actually be the Suelo Diamond. And I'm going to make a kind of a bold claim. And, and the claim is that what we're going to be reading, the first passage of Scripture that we're going to be in this morning, is a diamond. And it's no less valuable than the second, you know, largest and most valuable diamond ever discovered, um, but it's also, uh, it's going to take some polishing. 
And there's a way that we've added, we've kind of gunked it up, this diamond that I'm going to be presenting to you that, that I believe Scripture and, and Jesus presents to us. We've kind of gunked it up, and we've sort of covered it up, and it, and it kind of looks like just anything else. And maybe for some of us, this diamond is really more of a rock maybe that's been thrown at us. Maybe we've been stoned over the head by this diamond. So let's, uh, let's read the first of our passages this morning, and this is going to be in the book of Exodus, because like I said, we're in the Ten Commandments. So this is Exodus chapter 20. If you want to turn to that, you can, um, but I think it'll be up on the screen, um, and if not, you can hear it. So this is Exodus chapter 20. Uh, I'm going to just read verses 1 to 3. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And here it is. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. That's it. That's the diamond. That is the diamond that we are offered this morning. It's the first and it's the greatest of all the laws of God. Now, the Ten Commandments, and some of you are maybe going, okay, I'll go with you here, but I'm not totally sure what you're talking about. How is this a diamond? Well, what the commandments were, a command, the, the, the Ten Commandments and the law, all the things that God gave to his people were gifts. Look at what this starts out with. God says to his people, I am the Lord your God, which means I am for you. I am your portion, it says elsewhere in Scripture. And then he says, have no other gods before me. What he means there is, keep me first. Don't put anything else before me in your heart. I am your true love. I am your first love, is what this commandment is saying. And so why is this our Sowello diamond? Well, I think to, to, to get a sense of where I'm going here, we've got to go back to the Garden of Eden. And when we go back to the Garden of Eden we see something that we don't see these days. We see perfection. I mean, the weather was perfect. Uh, the food was perfect. Um, their bodies were perfect. They were naked. And guess what? They had no shame. There was no self-consciousness when God first created man. Worry? Never. Anxiety? Forget about it. None of that. None of the things that plague us were there when God first created men. And why would there be? Because God's people, Adam and Eve, when he created them, there was nothing to hinder them. They were completely uninhibited. They were totally free to be themselves. They were fully themselves. They were holy, like whole. They were holy themselves. You let that sink in for a second, I, I, and maybe I'm just speaking to my own heart, but if I'm anything like you guys, and if I'm sensing uh, what it's like to be alive these days, I think that might sound pretty attractive to you. I'm not, not worried about adding anything. I'm not worried about what's being taken away. I'm not worried about what I have or I don't have. I'm not worried about who I am. I, I'm literally not worried They were full, and they were whole, and they were perfect. Why? Because they were the way God made them to be. And they were with God fully in the way that he had made them to be. So not only were they 
originally who they were created to be, but they were also with the one who created them and were fully themselves in that. And what's happened? What has happened to us? Well, being dependent like that, being, being so dependent, as beautiful as it sounds, it, it's, it's also a little hard because it takes all your pride away. There's no place for pride when you are so fully yourself and so fully known and so fully loved by the one who created you. And so, what happened is we forgot our first love. We know Adam and Eve, they looked for something else. They, they listened to the devil saying, hmm, are you sure? Are you sure everything is the way it seems? Are you sure you're fully yourself? Or maybe God's holding something back from you. And so then in Revelation 2, we can go and, and, and we hear in Revelation 2, um, there's a passage where God is talking back to his church and he says this to them and he says this to us. He says, this I have against you, you have forgotten your first love. The Bible looks at us and in the face of what we, what we had at one point, what we had in the Garden of Eden, God looks at us and says, you've forgotten your first love. And that's our problem, is that we have forgotten our first love. And so we get the diamond. So we get the Ten Commandments. So we get the, the law of God. And the first one says, remember? Remember your first love? It's me. Keep me first, and you will begin to reclaim how I made you at first. Keep me first and you will begin to find yourself again in the way that you were made perfect and whole, unworried, unanxious. And so what the law is, God is calling us back. That's what the Bible is doing. That's what the Ten Commandments are doing. That's what this whole journey of the Christian faith is doing, guys, is calling us back to some place, to something, to a version of ourselves that was true at one point, where we were fully whole, fully loved, and in perfect relationship with the one who made us that way. And so the Ten Commandments, this first commandment, but all of them, are, are, they're like shining lights. They're gifts reminding us and, and shining the way back to the Lord being our first love. So to help us in this journey, um, we're going to look at the book of Matthew chapter 19. And we're going to look at the story of uh, what's typically a, a guy who is called the, the rich young ruler. So you've probably heard that. Maybe you've been familiar with that story. But what this does is this, this gives us, because everything I just said is, is true, but it's disconnected maybe from, from a story, from a character who experienced this. And so what we have in the book of Matthew and the story that we get of Jesus interacting with this man is we get a story of Jesus interacting with someone who has everything but is miserable. Who has all kinds of things to love but has forgotten his first love. So take a, take a look with me. If you've got your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter 19. Um, and I think it'll be up on the screen. We're going to start reading in verse 16. <laughs> this is so good. Okay, verse 16. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired, and Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not, shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
Well, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, and they asked, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Okay, so the first thing I want you to notice in this passage is that this was a really good man. He literally would have fit perfectly in any one of these seats. He, was a, he, was, he would have been a great midtowner. Um, he had it right, okay? So he was young and he was rich. I mean, like what, what more is there these days to want, right? He, he had his health, he had his body, he also had wealth, he had riches. He was young and he was rich. So he had it right, but he'd also done it right. It says he wasn't a murderer, He was faithful to his wife. He didn't steal. He was truthful. He loved mom and dad. And, by the way, he loved others around him, right? You see that? Because Jesus lists all those commandments, which are actually, by the way, the the last uh, six commandments. He lists those, and the man says, I did it. So he wasn't a murderer. He was faithful. Loved mom and dad. He loved other people around him. So he'd done it right. He had it right. So why on earth was he coming to Jesus saying, what do I got to do? Why was this man, of all the people, coming to Jesus and saying, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And then when he's told he'd pretty much done it all, why does he say, what do I still lack? Do you ever find yourself thinking about what's missing in your life? How much time do you spend thinking about something that isn't right, something you don't have, something that's missing? Why? Why do we spend so much time doing that? Could it be, potentially, could it be because we were made for such close relationship? Now, go back to what we just said about the Garden of Eden. If we were actually created for that kind of fullness and wholeness and freedom, to where we could be with God naked and have no shame, no self-consciousness, no anxiety, if we were made for that, isn't it easy to, to, to think, well, maybe if we feel the way we feel now, we're always going to feel like we're missing something. Because if we don't have that, then nothing we have is going to give it to us. Nothing we have is going to replace the feeling that we should have because it was what we were created for. Does that make sense? We were made to be so full and so whole, so known, so loved, And we've lost that. We've lost our first love. And so Jesus gives this man the diamond. Did you see it? Jesus gives this man, in a kind of roundabout way, he gives this man the first commandment. He doesn't quote the first commandment. In fact, he quotes all the other ones. He doesn't quote the first one, but what does he do? How does he show this man that even in all his goodness, in all his seeking to do well, in his riches, in his youthfulness, that he's still missing the heart. He's still missing the diamond. Well, this is where he gives it to him. 
Okay, Jesus says, you've done all these things. You're still wondering what you lack? Go sell all your stuff. Give up all your wealth. Go sell everything that you have that makes you wealthy, and you will have treasure in heaven. Do you see it? Do you see the first commandment? Do you see the diamond? Jesus is telling this man what the whole Bible is telling us. If you want to be filled, there is no place for duplicity. There is no place for a divided heart. If you want to be filled, there's no place for you to break the first commandment, which is to put anything in front of the Lord in your life. There's no place for it. It's always going to make you empty. If he is anything other than first, if there's any part of your heart, any sliver of your heart, any, any like minuscule place in your heart that is saying, I actually want this more than I want the Lord, then you're going to be just like that man your entire life saying, what do I lack? What is missing? And so the first commandment, this, this diamond of the law says, give your heart fully to the Lord. Put him first. Have no other gods before him. It says, remember your first love and run back to his heart. Don't let your heart be divided by loves for other things. And so Jesus gives this man the diamond. He gives this man the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. I've been, uh, over the course of coronavirus, one of the, to be honest, one of the only places in Scripture that I have found a home (laughs) that I've just been able to return to over and over again and that's really fed me has been Psalm 119. Um, If you know a little bit about the Bible, you might know Psalm 119 is far and away, like way, 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 way bigger than any of the other Psalms. It's it's by far the largest Psalm. Um, And the entire thing, so if I were to just ask you, the longest Psalm in the whole Bible, what do you think it's about? The whole thing that that Psalm is about is about the law of the Lord. It's about the commands of the Lord. And when you spend time in it, and I would invite you to do that, when you, when you give yourself to it and, and kind of put it in your mouth like a piece of hard candy and let it dissolve, what you see is it's painting a picture of the law like it is a diamond. It paints a picture of the law. It paints a, paints a picture of the commands of God as this pathway to find God again, to restore God as first in your life. Just a couple verses that make this true uh, here in Psalm 19 and verse 14, it says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one who rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. So statutes, precepts, decrees, there's all these different words that are just saying the, the gifts of the law to God's people. I delight in them. I follow them. They're like riches to me. I consider them. I meditate on them. And then it says, thy word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. The path to what? What what is the law a light to? It's, It's a light to the path showing the way back to the heart of God. 
It's the way back to the heart of our first love and our true love, which we just said, remember, is the pathway back to wholeness and flourishing and freedom. And so you see why in this story, Jesus gives the man what is a crushing command. Go and take the one thing that you haven't given to me. Take the one part of your heart that you haven't given to me. You've given me your sexuality. You've given me your, your ethics. You've given me you know, your behavior. You treat people well, but guess what? You've kept one thing for yourself, your wealth. There's a part of your heart that's divided. And by the way, that command is not one of the Ten Commandments. There is no commandment that says you can't be rich. In fact, nowhere in Scripture does it just blanketly say you can't be wealthy. If you have wealth, give it all away. So why is Jesus saying it to this man? It's not because that's just a blanket command. It's because he knows that in this man's heart, in this man's life, this thing, this, this wealth and the security that came with it, the safety that came with it, the comfort that came with it, had gotten in the way of God in his heart. And so Jesus looks at him and he says, have an undivided heart. Have a heart that's fully congruent, that's fully aligned, where everything is pushing toward the same love, the same goal, which is Jesus himself, God himself. But it's really hard, y'all, because in our story, in the passage, what does it say this man did? verse 22, it says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Because Jesus found the point. He, he, he found the, the pressure point. He found the point of unalignment. And so what did this man do? This man with, an undiv- with a divided heart for the Lord. It says he went away sad. That word sad is actually, it, 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 grieving would be the better word. It's, it's the word for grief. It's the word for the sense of loss. And guys, um, this is why we're pairing up the stories of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus with the Ten Commandments. And this right here, this, this, this point we're about to make is why this really is a diamond and why when we polish it enough and we get rid of the things we've added to it, it actually begins to glimmer for us. Because what Jesus gives this man is impossible. What God gave the Israelites in the Ten Commandments is impossible. Have you ever had an undivided heart on anything? Have you ever fully given yourself to anything? Have you ever been successful in having a congruent, perfectly aligned heart. No, you haven't. (laughs) I never have, not even close. I'm always fractured. There's a million things that are on my heart all the time. So the beauty of this is that the, the law that was given, the commands that were given that are a pathway back to the heart of God, they're not given as a way to say, if you do this, then you'll get that whole, full, undivided life. If you can just live this way, if this man could have just given away all his wealth, well then magically, boom, he would have been whole again. No, don't miss. Where wholeness comes, where fullness comes, is in a heart with the Lord, in remembering the Lord as your first love. And so when Jesus gives this command to this man and he goes away sad, his disciples look and they say, 
who then can be saved? They look at this man, they go, how can this be the teaching, Jesus, that this guy's been so good, and you give him the one thing he can't give up, and he goes away sad? Is that the end of the story? And if it were the end of the story, then there would be no diamond here. If it was just the law, and you were just said, be good enough, do it good enough, force yourself to love God more than anything else, if that was the story, there's no diamond, there's no hope for undivided hearts like mine. But in verse 26, Jesus looks at them, at his disciples, right? This is, this is the disciples now, and they're crushed because they know their hearts are very divided. He looks at them and he says, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You see, in, in verse 21, when Jesus told the man, if you want to be perfect, go give everything and you will have treasure in heaven. The only man who actually gave everything to gain treasure in heaven was the man who said that word, was Jesus. The only person who was successful at giving everything, giving everything that he had earned, giving everything that he was owed for the sake of a treasure in heaven was Jesus himself. And what does the Bible say that treasure in heaven was? What is Jesus' treasure in heaven? Well, it's all the people that are going to come to fill the rooms in the mansion that he said he's going to build for us in heaven. You are his treasure in heaven. The ones who fill heaven to be with him, the whole reason he came was to have you with him in heaven. So we are given an impossible task, but we're given the God who made it possible because he did it. When, when I want the heart of the Lord, the way I get the heart of the Lord is by following him with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, putting everything I can into it, knowing it's not going to be enough, failing. Then I'm un, uncovered for me is the realization that he is actually my first love and I am his first love. That he becomes my treasure in heaven because I recognize that I am his treasure in heaven. When God says to that church in the book of Revelation, I have this one thing against you, you've lost your first love. What he's saying to them is, don't you know, you're my first love. There's another line in Psalm 119 I've been coming back to over and over again. And it's verse 32. Um, Psalm 119, verse 32. And it says this. I will run in the way of your commandments when you set my heart free. I will run in the way of your commandments when you set my heart free. There's this, there's this pathway that God is inviting us into this morning. There is a way of moving forward in the world that involves loving your neighbor that involves all the Ten Commandments, that involves giving yourself as a living sacrifice. And it's in doing that that we recognize the freedom that we've always been created for. And that we begin to actually run in the way of God's commandments because He has set our heart free. Because we recognize that His heart is freely set on us. That His love is freely set on us. It's fully, wholly, undivided in its affection for you and for me. That the God that we are invited into 
renewing our relationship with, the God that we're invited to remember, oh yes, you are my first love. We've never been lost as his. We've never been lost as his first love. In the uh, account in Mark that tells the same story, um, there's, a, there's a small change, and it's beautiful, and I'm so thankful that we have this story in multiple accounts, in multiple gospels. Because in, in the Mark version of the story, before Jesus effectively sends this man away by saying, sell everything, it says this, but Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, give it all away. And so what I would like to think, and we don't know this for sure, but knowing the way the Holy Spirit works, I believe that what Jesus gave this man when he told him to sell everything is he gave him a diamond. He said, remember, follow me, give your heart to me, remember who your first love is. And I'm, I'm, I'm believing that this diamond might have looked a little bit like this, like this one right now. But when that man took it, and he meditated on it, and the Holy Spirit began to, to kind of work the little seed of what Jesus had told him in his heart, I believe the fact that Jesus loved this man meant that uh, this man might have actually come back. And you know what? Maybe he actually didn't come back having sold everything. Because you think it was really about the selling everything to begin with? Like, maybe what this man realizes, you know what, all this stuff I've got, I've put way too much stock in it. I've actually begun to make this my security. I've begun to make this my safety. I've begun to make this my comfort, when really it's Jesus. And so maybe he sold it all. That would have been beautiful. Maybe he came back penniless and said, Jesus, I'm now, I'm now undivided toward you. But maybe he came back and said, you know what, I am a rich man. <laughs> and I've completely mixed it up. Let me get this, let me get this realigned. Let me put this in the, in the right order. And now, Jesus, you tell me what to do with my wealth. You tell me what to do with my riches. Because the man had now been reminded, oh, Jesus, you love me first. So we are the Lord's treasure in heaven. When we recognize that we are the Lord's treasure in heaven, then we begin to treasure ourselves, and we begin to treasure everything around us. Perfectly, rightly, with the right alignment. We begin to take the things in our lives, the people in our lives, the wealth that's in our lives, and we begin to say, you know what, Lord? These things are second to you. They're beautiful, but they're second to you, and so I'm gonna give them back to you. I'm gonna offer myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, Lord, because I've put you first. So that is what we are invited into in this first commandment. We've got uh, nine others that we're gonna look at that are gonna all give different versions of this thing, calling us back, wooing us back to our first love. Um, so hope you stick with us uh, and join us in that. Um, it's good to be with you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, um, man, thank you that uh, we are not called, um, we're not called to come empty ourselves uh, without being told so sweetly that we don't even understand how much we can be filled by you. We're not called to give up without this, this gentle reminder that there is a wholeness and a fullness. There's a, a richness to our life that we can't even imagine. That we were created for it. Um, that we don't have it right now. That we, we, are, we are broken, undivided people. We're people made in your image, but that image is broken and it's fractured. And there's a lot of loves that I pursue that aren't you. And you say, 
put me first. Have no other gods before me. And the invitation is that in the, in the process of doing that, um, as we just humbly, gently say, Jesus, I, just help me see what that even looks like for me. What, what are the riches I've got to put down? What are the things I've got to give up that I've put before you? When we do that, we're filled. We, are, uh, we, we, we rediscover, maybe for the first time, the wholeness that we have in you. So thank you for Jesus that has bought that wholeness for us, that has applied that wholeness for us, that is with us even now, whispering, you are my first love. Son, daughter, you are my first love. Thank you for your word. It's good to be with you this morning as we look at it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.